Face the Music, a pre-ELO song-by-song podcast is sponsored by fine people like Silverwings. This is Face the Music, a pre-ELO song-by-song podcast. Episode negative zero six two. Useless information. The move. Useless Information was recorded on February 4, 1968, and is the eighth track on the move's first album, Move. Carl Wayne sings lead. Did you know Japanese Air Marshal Yoshio Nagamoto invented the Zero, then found out it was all for naught? I'm Eric Paul Johnson. And I'm Eric Winsenson. And the move do a song about the podcast. Useless information. <laughs> well, we could do an entire podcast about James Joyce. Then be Ulysses information. Oh, I see where you're going there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you're making a literary joke to somebody who's currently reading a Weird Al biography. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I despised last week's song. I really hated that. So, it was really, really nice to hear a song that I adore. I love this song. After the onslaught of distorted noise from last week, it was nice to hear a smooth, catchy little pop song here. Didn't rub my nerves the wrong way. So it was a great song. I loved it. I'll have more to say as we go on, but it's a great way to start side two. For me, anyway. Maybe when Sensen hated it. Nope, didn't hate it. Didn't love it, but didn't hate it. No, it's a good song. There are a lot of aspects about it that I notice, though. If you, it, well, it feels like the move progressing, I should say. Yeah. I see them moving away from their early singles where they just did everything and threw everything in. It's nice to hear an original song to kind of get the bearings rather than another cover. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing them move closer to what they would become with Jeff Lynn joining the band. Yeah. So where Roy Move was trying to move the band rather than the psychedelic freakout stuff and throwing everything in to prove what a genius he is to just regular solid songwriting. Yeah. Lyrics are really good on this. Production's really good. You've got some acoustic guitar that pops up here and there throughout the song. Some great vocal melodies mm-hmm. on here too. So everything's put together well. I probably will like it, actually, if I hear it more often, to tell you the truth. I like it a lot better. It's just, at this particular point, it was, oh, it's a good song. It's just not a wonderful, mind-blowing song. No, I I wouldn't call it mind-blowing. It was definitely pleasing. Uh, The first time I heard it was last week, and I loved it right off. I mean, it was such a nice relief to hear a song that didn't really get under my skin in a bad way after what we went through last week. It sounds ahead of its time, actually, to me. It came out in 1968, but it really sounds like early Wizard, 
maybe early 70s, mid 70s. There's just a sound to it that says to me, you know, if I was to date this, I would say, mm, 1973? It's five years ahead of its time. Well, if you were to try to date it, it would probably just say, let's be friends. Uh, yeah, yeah, pretty much. My wife would probably have an issue with it, too. That opening drum. That didn't sound 60s to me. That sounded 70s. And also, it reminded me of Ode to a Centipede on the Buckner and Garcia Pac-Man Fever album. Oh, okay. (laughs) It's interesting to see that the move influenced Buckner and Garcia and their songs about video games in 1982. Lyrically... I think this is another historic first and probably an historic only time in rock music where the word astrocane is used. I haven't heard every song ever, but I find it hard to believe that somebody else used astrocane in a song. Well, that's some useless information. That is some useless information. (laughs) It's a nice coat, something to put over you made out of sheep's wool to keep you warm. Ah, okay. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. As opposed to Astroglide. That's another completely thing. Which I think that is, that's actually been used in a lot more songs. It's, I'm, <laughs> I'm sure, yes. And there's something else here. I see all the time on Facebook people complaining about, oh, technology, it's separating us all. People talking to each other, it's dying. The computers, the phone, it's killing everything. Well, here's a line from a song that's 55 years ago. And it says... Isn't it amazing? Now you can see why conversation is dying. Isn't it amazing? Now you can see why conversation is dying. It's kind of like what we said when we covered the way life's meant to be. Everybody thinks that the past used to be great. No, we didn't have these problems in the past. Well, here you go, 55 years ago, and somebody is singing, conversation is dying. Pre-cell phone, pre-internet. I mean, there's even a picture of people sitting on the train, or lined up waiting for something. They're all reading newspapers, not talking to each other. And yet, people today bitch about the phone cutting us off from each other. So, really, nothing changes. It's just the technical devices, or whatever current technological whipping boy you want to base your tired old gripe on. Nothing really changes. Just the technology does. Just that a phone is able, once again, to give you... Millions more times of useless information. <laughs> lots and lots of useless Than the newspaper could. Yeah, no, that's what it always gets me is, yeah, they're saying, oh, people are sitting there at the table reading their phone. I mean, look at Christmas Story. What does Dad do? He reads the when newspaper. When he's not cussing about the furnace or working, he's sitting at the table with his newspaper mm-hmm. open, trying to ignore his kids, <laughs> which I don't blame him. And... Mm-hmm. <laughs> I do the same thing, sit there with my phone looking up articles, mm-hmm. and then getting the look from across the table. I'm here! I'm here! <laughs> <laughs> See, I don't mind. I'm an introvert. I don't mind if Tella looks at her phone while we're out at restaurants or, or whatever. I mean, we're married. We're around each other mm-hmm. all the time. It's not like being at the restaurant is the only time we can talk to each other. And even before the telephones, when I would ride the bus to college, I would read books. I just... Because I don't want people to talk to me, especially people on the bus. Because most of the time, the strangers on the bus who want to talk to me, one time one of them came up to me and said that he thought that maybe I was, this is a 1992 term because that's when it was, a transsexual just because I had long hair and I wasn't a big burly kind of guy. So he came up to me while I'm listening to my Walkman and reading a book, giving off every indication, 
please do not bother me. But he came up and talked to me, said he, he was a transsexual and he was ready to get the operation and everything was all set to go until God showed him the way. Oh, yeah. I almost said, <laughs> oh, Jesus, but... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. No, I was the same way. Anytime I had to be anywhere, I had a book with me. Mm -hmm. Because that way I had something to entertain me while the time passed. And it also sent a signal of not wanting to do a conversation. Because, unfortunately, I have found that 90% of public conversations with a stranger, within 15 minutes, it turns to the Jews. And it's not a good part. And, and, it's, <laughs> no. not, and it's not talking about... Culture. It's not talking about the wonderful ancient traditions or how far they've come and all the wonderful things and the food and everything else. No, it, you can just guess. Yeah. yeah pretty <laughs> so, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the reason I think that they go for the Jews is because they're just testing the waters for that N word <laughs> with a very hard R at the end. Oh, well, if he doesn't like them, then maybe I can actually say oh, the word today. Great. I've been looking all forward all day to say this word. <laughs> Finally, I found another white person. Let's do this. I know, because he's white. He's going to... Yeah. Yeah, how come it's never hot chicks who are into Doctor Who seeing me read a Doctor Who with a Star Trek book that come up and talk to me on the bus back when I was single? Actually, I've had a number of them that have done that, especially when I was driving Uber. But... Yeah. Here's the thing. By then, I was married yeah. for years, for decades. <laughs> <laughs> ah, because, yeah, that, that stuff a lot of them are into now. Back then it was, oh, you're going to be a virgin forever. Yeah, where were they in 1992? <laughs> well, I can tell you where they were in 1992. Headphones on with a book in front of their face because some creep had tried to talk to them on the bus. Yeah, and something that steams me is this album isn't streaming. So for me to hear useless information, I got to go to YouTube to listen to it. Well, I was about to say, to hear useless information, yeah, you can go to YouTube, among other places. Got something to say about useless information? Then call the telephone line voicemail. 623-850-3375. Call now. Electric. White Orchestra Origin Story Mark C. Wilson It was the 70s, and the radio would not stop playing Livin' Thing. And that's it. That's all he wrote. It's a living thing For information What's going on in Lewiston, Clarkston K-R-L-C, your chief station. Hi, I am Eric Winsenson. And Eric has his own podcast. You know that big album an act had? Either the huge seller that broke them to a wider audience, or a world-famous act that became even worlder-famouser after the release of a massive-selling album. This podcast isn't about them. What came next, dot dot dot, is about the records that came after the multi-bajillion seller. Each episode is packed with facts about the bands and their records from noted musicologist Eric Winsenson. Hi, I am Eric Winsenson. So do a quick Google search and listen to What Came Next, dot dot dot, with Eric Winsenson.
Well, hello, this is Dr. Troy with my thoughts on useless information. I love this song. It's one of my favorites by the move so far. The tempo and the background vocals, again, excellent use of background vocals on a move song, reminds me of a great lost Beach Boys song. Or even, I was kind of using my imagination here, if the Beatles and the Beach Boys had recorded something together, it might have sounded something like this. Or even say, if Paul McCartney had recorded a song in the 70s or 80s and had the Beach Boys do backup vocals, it might sound like this. I was looking at, well, there was actually only one comment on YouTube when I listened to this song. I kind of thought there'd be more, but there was one comment and it more or less summed up what I was thinking. The person who left the comment said, this song anticipated social media by about 40 years. And he's absolutely right. <laughs> it does. And I guess useless information has been with us for a long time, but it just seems to have multiplied to infinity in the past 10 to 15 years. Oh, well, I understand we're taking a break, and I will talk to you in September. This is Troy. Feast the Music, a pre-ELO song-by-song podcast, is a production of Radio Trolla Entertainment, Assorted Deli Meets Amalgamated. You can contact us by voicemail at 623-850-3375 or email us at eloftmpodcast at gmail.com and we'll read and reply to it on the show. Keep up to date by joining our Facebook group and spread the word by sharing the link or giving us a quick rating on iTunes. Subscribe to our YouTube page, the Electric Light Orchestra podcast channel, to hear other goodies. You can financially support the podcast at patreon.com slash elopod or PayPal using the podcast's email address. Or send a check or money order to P.O. Box 1932, Superior, Arizona 85173. Next episode... Sing with the strings of my heart. One more. Did you know, if you can fool most of the people most of the time, you should go into politics. Oh, good advice, man. I'm going into politics. He's going into politics.